How are you doing, Publius? Doing well, Mod. How are you? I'm doing very well. I see we have a few questions uh, at the town hall chat. Would encourage others uh, to drop them as well. I see some are typing. And maybe we can start with older questions, starting with one uh, that was more of an idea from Brian um, about pod options. Um, and the thinking here, uh, Publius, is what if we have options uh, for pods? Uh, and it'll be something as the following. So a pod holder uh, would sell uh, an option to basically sell their pods, but wouldn't sell them outright. And then um, depending uh, on the person who would buy that option would then have the option to exercise basically you know, uh, that agreement and buy the, buy the pods uh, or not. So similar to uh, a stock, but basically uh, for pods. Does this make sense? And if yes, what are your thoughts uh, on it? So just to try to understand, because I, I hadn't been following the discussion, the thought is that that if you have pods that you would be able to sell what covered calls yeah or... let's say let's say i have 1000 pods so i would be like uh, uh i'm i'm selling the option to sell those 1000 pods at a certain price uh, and someone you mean will the buy option to buy those pods cuz you have the pods right so you're selling the option to buy them so you're selling a call you have the pods so you're selling a covered call What's the question? Well, just the idea of, of, of having uh, like a secondary market uh, uh, for pods uh, on Beanstalk, basically. Well, the current pod marketplace is a secondary market. I guess what you're talking about now is a derivative market on top of the secondary market. Uh, not, I mean, at the end of the day, Beanstalk should have a wide variety of different derivatives built on top of it. Uh, there's no reason why typical call and put options contracts that are implemented in a generalized fashion on top of Beanstalk, you know, there's no reason to think that won't be implemented at some point. Uh, it's probably not the highest value derivative to implement over the short term. Uh, just you know, in in general, probably want to get like at least a futures market up and running first, uh, or a variety of different futures markets that are uh, dependent on either the the minting schedule or or some other parameters. And then for, once you have a futures market, then there can start to be sort of a yield curve that forms uh, on top of on top of being stock. And then once you have a yield curve, I think then you can get into more sophisticated derivatives but it's hard to hard to think that uh calls and puts are are the the first thing that should be built at this point but it certainly makes sense to build them at some point do you think root would be uh, the right the right place or or one to build something like that well can't speak on behalf of root i think that the way as we understand it that the root markets are going to be implemented uh, it's probably possible to have the futures markets uh, implemented on top of root because it's being implemented in a sufficiently generalized fashion. Uh, but just talking out loud, before you get to options, you probably want a couple of other different uh, markets as well on top of being stuck, like a money market, uh, probably some sort of CDP system, uh, 
uh, probably a perpetual futures market. Uh, and then it might make sense to have more traditional options. But All right. option, traditional options are not necessarily the most popular at this point. Okay. The follow-up um, then the uh, question or from the discussion there is something that we might have touched uh, on uh, earlier, uh, which is a different kind of pods uh, with an expiry date. So the ones that we have right now are, are non-callable, or let's say they have no, no, and, they, and they never expire. What if Beanstalk started issuing pods with an expiry date? And when you say expiry, do you mean maturity? Well, it would be something such as, uh, let's say, you know, you, you would buy a pod uh, or buy pods at a certain temperature or a certain interest rate uh, that are meant to get paid, let's say, in the next two months. If Beanstalk doesn't mint uh, within the next two months, then those pods expire uh, and that's it. Well, there's something to be said for the fact that from Beanstalk's perspective, if people are willing to lend to it, uh, with a risk of not getting paid back at all, that's probably better for Beanstalk. Uh, but frankly, the core peg maintenance model requires that the first in first out pod line is what most people want. Uh, and that that model remains really strong and don't necessarily think that it makes sense to add, add other types of pods uh, to the field, that's probably a lot of additional complexity with unclear benefits to Beanstalk in the grand scheme of things. One of the things that makes Beanstalk really attractive to lend to is its credit worthiness and the fact that it will never default on pods. And therefore, uh, having pods that it would default on is probably going to hurt the long-term credit worthiness of Beanstalk. But uh, it, 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 it's hard to know. Uh, without hearing more specific implementation details, but those would be like high-level thoughts. I agree there's especially that it will impact the, I mean, those bean mints that will be distributed there is going to impact or come out of something else. So it may impact the, the main pod line, or if you take it out from the silo, it will impact that as well. Okay. There has been a, uh, some discussions uh, with regards to con converting or convert. So the price of being right now is hovering just below a uh, dollar at 99 cents. And there are some questions on why aren't uh, you know, you know, their farmers converting and bringing, bringing it back uh, to PEG. And, and my question, well, and there has been some answers saying that you know, just 99 cents is not attractive enough uh, for people to convert. Uh, some or others want to, you know, seeing that the seeds, maybe the four seeds, uh, uh, are more attractive to retain rather than the the arbitrage opportunity uh, uh, from the price of peg. My question, uh, Publius, is: Let's say even at ninety cents or eighty-five cents, uh, as as long as uh, farmers uh, or silo depositors are keeping their deposits in the silo and not converting, uh, but not withdrawing as well. Does that does that indicate anything? Is is that negative in itself? If you know, if people are not converting right away, is it okay to not convert and maintain a certain price? Well, at the end of the day, that's really up to the market to decide, and there's nothing that Beanstalk can do other than 
the DAO can continue to try to improve its model over time to encourage stronger and stronger peg maintenance. So, frankly, the amount of volatility we've seen since replant is really low compared to the volatility experience post-replant. And the fact that, nonetheless, the question remains, how can stability be increased and deviations from the peg be decreased, it's really positive, right? It means that this is a model that still has room to grow and to improve. And you pointed to particularly with uh, the seed disparity between uh, LP and beans, one really clear place where over time, uh, the DAO can make improvements to the peg maintenance model to encourage even tighter peg maintenance. Now, from a theoretical perspective, it's important to note that Beanstalk doesn't doesn't optimize at this point in time around frequency of peg crosses in any capacity. It only optimizes around uh, crossing the price above and below its peg and its debt level. And so while there are ways that over time uh, Beanstalk can uh, implement peg maintenance mechanisms that are uh, more short-term oriented to facilitate uh, a certain frequency of oscillations above and below peg. The reality is that the protocol is more focused uh, at this point in time on just creating the oscillations at any point in time. And then it is relying on at some point market makers to step in and start to convert closer and closer to the peg because they're competing with one another. So there is some question of price discovery around how low and how high will the price go in each oscillation above and below the peg before people start to convert. And that's an open question. So uh, there is something to be said for Beanstalk can continue to refine its incentives around conversion, but there's nothing wrong from Beanstalk's perspective with it taking some time in order for there to be price discovery around uh, conversions. Yes. Do you think Beanstalk will want to optimize uh, with regards to the time it takes, you know, uh, for for silo depositors to convert? Or this is part of, you know, the market, as you said, the price discovery. So uh, eventually you want to go back to peg, but you don't want to go back to peg immediately. So it's okay to stay at 90 cents for some time or 95 cents uh, for some time until, you know, the volatility takes uh, effect. Well, Similarly, Beanstalk doesn't optimize around volatility, right? It really only optimizes around price and debt level. And so there is a question of, with regards to the oscillations, uh, what is an acceptable volatility uh, and what is the acceptable time over which each oscillation happens or that volatility is realized? Those are unanswered questions at this point in time. And there is something to be said for the the beanstalk model should probably be upgraded to include some optimization around oscillation time and volatility of oscillations but this that is a uh an optimization that's probably going to take a little bit of time to really think through and particularly there are still some some optimizations to the to the model that are perhaps more important to get done first like the demand for soy or i guess the the dutch auction implementation in the field is what what the right thing to call it is so there's lots of things that can be done to further upgrade the the peg maintenance model the stock gauge system being another one uh 
how the stockade system is implemented, that in particular could could be optimized around volatility and the the duration of oscillation, certainly. So something to think about as the systems are designed. Okay. The next question is uh, from Jams, and, and maybe that's more of uh, touching upon some of the discussions that has been going on with regards to the, uh, the budget dip. Uh, and I'm going to read out his, his comment. So he says, the quarterly budget talks are taken away from the great work the team is doing. I imagine that these budget discussions are going to get progressively worse until there are, until, you know, uh, there are silomens. I also imagine meeting quorum will be harder as many people will be checking out until there are more developments within Beanstalk, such as you know, Wells and, and uh, the markets uh, from Root. Any thoughts on how to remedy or proactively address these issues? Well, first off, we kind of disagree that the, the talks around the budget or budgets are taking away from the work that the team is doing. We would, we would argue that having a governance system whereby anyone that is receiving funding from the DAO is directly and regularly accountable to the DAO, that seems to be really important. And while it does seem like some people are throwing out things that are not the most constructive. And that's certainly, I mean, that's just the way things are, unfortunately, that not everyone is willing to be the most constructive. For the most part, people are pretty constructive. Uh, you know, this is, this is healthy. This is part of the, part of the process. And as the, as the DAO currently is structured, there are multiple bodies that are currently working for the DAO. They each have slightly different structures to them, uh, Beanstalk Farms and Bean Sprout being the two. And the discussions around budgets are, are very healthy. The, the DAO shouldn't be giving out beans willy-nilly and general skepticism around, hey, what's all this being spent on? It's very important. It's very important. So perhaps uh, some people that are being a little bit less constructive, they can try to be more constructive, that would be great. But otherwise, uh, the discussion is, is healthy, we think. Uh, we did write a pretty long comment in the Beanstalk Farms budget proposal BIP uh, channel, voicing some of our thoughts around uh, the, the ability for Beanstalk to mint beans and uh, some of people's comments in that channel. Uh, but with regards to Jam's comment around the reaching quorum and people checking out uh that's something that will it's an open question uh around what 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 voter participation looks like historically voter participation has been very good uh one thing we've we've typically been against is delegation but upon doing a little bit more research into governance it seems like delegate there's nothing you can really do to stop delegation in practice uh so and, and more than that, it can really help smaller farmers uh, join together to feel like their voices are heard. So perhaps the implementation of a delegation system might be worth considering if there ends up being a difficulty in reaching quorums for BIPs in the future. But so far, that hasn't happened. We'll see what, what the next couple of BIPs uh, look like. There's some technical BIPs, some budget BIPs. There's a one, BIP 24 is, is hopefully going to be proposed in the next 24 hours. Uh, all of that that discussion's been happening publicly for a couple of days now. 
Uh, Bib 25 is also probably ready to go uh, in the next day or two. Uh, Bib 26 doesn't seem ready to go in the next day or two, the bug bounty. Uh, but after speaking with Mr. Manifold, it does seem like there may be a bean sprout budget bip happening as well in the next couple of days. So uh, we'll see what collectively, I guess, we'll see what, what voter participation looks like on on all of those bips and go from there. But uh, don't necessarily think that it's a problem that there are high frictions around changing beanstalk or minting beans to fund things. In fact, it's probably a very good thing that it's high friction to, to try to change beanstalk. And I dropped the um, your your comment uh, in the in the budget discussion at the at the town hall chat. So for the listeners, if you if you would like to read it, uh, it's linked there. And Publis, I wanted to touch a little bit more about that, uh, given that. So you mentioned when is it appropriate for the DAO, uh, you know, to mint beans and 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 pay uh, contributors. And you are the founder. You are a contributor uh, with Beanstalk, but you are an unpaid, let's say, uh, con- con- contributor. There are there are many uh, let's say criticisms that could be uh, given towards you know how and when uh, contributors are paid. So for starters, it was let's not pay contributors in pods, for example. Um, then um, let's not pay contributors when when the protocol is paused. And this is something that really came out from the contributors. It wasn't mentioned by you know uh, uh, um, the community. Uh, then uh, let's not pay contributors when uh, there are no mints. Maybe in the future, it would be like, why pay c- contributors when there are mints given that you know, the protocol is already running? So why do we need uh, 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 contributors to be paid then? When do you think it's appropriate uh, to pay contributors and when is it not? So at the end of the day, it, it is up to the DAO to figure out a process to evaluate when it makes sense to spend beans and when it doesn't from a theoretical perspective. And we wrote a little bit about this in the channel. uh, There are theoretically multiple stable equilibria with the bean price at a dollar with different total bean supplies. And what that means is that, or, or perhaps better than bean supplies, the better way to say it is demand for beans, although they're obviously, uh, related. Uh, the, the point being that it is possible for the DAO to mint beans and spend those beans effectively such that even if those beans that are paid to contributors are to some extent sold and it creates short-term uh, net supply for beans, uh, the, there, there is the potential for value creation that creates utility for beans or some other value that ends up creating demand for beans. And particularly at this early stage where there's a ton of development to be done to get to the point where there's a full open source tech stack and a relatively complete base beanstalk layer, as well as some key derivatives and primitives built on top of it, as as has been discussed already in this class. Uh, It probably does make sense for the DAO to continue to mint beans to fund Uh, or accelerate the funding of development of Beanstalk. Uh, One of the, we, we, we many, many months ago, this is probably almost a year ago at this point, uh, spent a lot of time trying to spin up Beanstalk farms and Beansprout and attract a wide variety of contributors to come work on Beanstalk through these two different uh, organizations. And we're very 
intent on making sure that it was through these organizations and not directly through the DAO, such that there is some separation of church and state between the DAO and these various contribution groups. And the hope is that if people that are part of the DAO or part of the Beanstalk community or Bean economy feel like they should be entitled to uh, or can can create value for the DAO in some way and are not being uh, included or considered in the current processes that exist in the various organizations that the DAO does fund, that anyone can, in a totally permissionless way, propose a BIP to create their own organizations and ask for funding from the DAO. So currently, there are two different organizations with pretty radically different funding mechanisms and designs in order to encourage totally different types of contributions to Beanstalk. And both seem to be working very well to create value. So if we look at Bean Sprout first, Bean Sprout incubated uh, one Beanstalk native company already, Root, and Root, uh, I mean, the most, the most immediate benefit that Beanstalk has had from Root uh, is that Root was able to fund a significant portion of the Halborn retainer uh, and that has already started to pay dividends with the the chop function uh, bug being discovered or vulnerability being discovered, as well as the continuous audit of uh, new new BIPs. BIP24 has been audited by Halborn. The pod marketplace V2 is being audited by Halborn. And that was a symbiotic relationship between the DAO and Root that was facilitated by Beansprout. And the hope is that Beansprout can continue to facilitate new businesses to be created uh, on top of Beanstalk or to start to migrate some of their business to Beanstalk. And then in Beanstalk Farms, uh, from our perspective, there is a little bit of friction at the moment around the fact that there isn't a full open source tech stack to interact with Beanstalk. If you look at the back end in particular, Beansprout has been able to attract root to build uh, on top of Beanstalk uh, on the back end, uh, both submitting a BIP to upgrade Beanstalk and working on contracts on top of Beanstalk, uh, that's really facilitated because the back end is, is open source. The front end and the middleware stack is getting there, and the, the Halborn relationship is very important to open sourcing the front end. They're currently doing some pen testing on the front end, and the hope is for Beanstalk Farms to open source that in the near future. But as I hope is apparent, there's this whole diverse ecosystem of very uh, value-creating different groups that are all working together and are all generally funded by or have starter funds from the Beanstalk DAO. And if you look at the amount of value that is being created by all of these people that are building on top of Beanstalk or building parts of Beanstalk in some capacity or building tools to interact with Beanstalk, it's very hard to think that over the next year to two years, that this isn't money that's really well spent by the DAO. If the goal is to have Beanstalk in a place where during the next bull market, it has all of the tools and accoutrement that anyone could want in order to, to use in any capacity that they would like, there's a lot of work that needs to get done. And it's not going to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen in time, most likely, if there aren't sufficient incentives for people to come and contribute. And the DAO does have the ability to to mint beans in order to facilitate a lot of that development. And that's a, a pretty powerful thing. And so it would probably be a mistake for the DAO to 
not not mint any beans, uh, it would also be a, be a mistake for the Dow to mint too many beans. So again, this goes back to at the beginning uh, our comment that there is really a lot of uh, really positive uh, things about all of the scrutiny around how this money is being spent and whether it's good to spend it. But at this point, there really are clear things that that should be done are being done. And from our perspective, most importantly, are being done in a really decentralized and transparent fashion. And just would take this opportunity to to respond to some of the criticisms that uh, were were seem to be uh, uh, made that that there's a lack of transparency around development and who's getting paid for what. From our perspective, it's kind of amazing the amount of transparency around where all of this money is being spent, what it's being spent on, who it's being spent. Uh, uh, who it's being paid to. Uh, it's the amount of transparency from Beanstalk Farms is really amazing from our perspective, and think that some of those criticisms are are pretty unfounded. So uh, perhaps there's room for improvement. We would argue there's always room for improvement, good, better, best. Uh, but think that the the accusations that there's some opacity or deliberate opacity, think that's probably not uh, not fair. So. There's a lot that can be done in general to improve these processes that the Dow has to fund various development projects, but uh, do want to just uh, extend some kudos to to the current contributors for all of their transparency. One other thing that there seems to be a bit of confusion on it is, you know, what is the Dow? Uh, and, and you've mentioned that in the comments saying that Beanstalk Farms is, is not the Dow. There has been a few comments as well uh, with the thinking that, you know, there are a few, uh, let's say, like insiders or uh, a few uh, uh, maybe contributors uh, who control the DAO and then they basically pass pass uh, uh, the votes. Um, and, and the liking was that, you know, uh, if you're a fund manager uh, and you're, you're managing the funds of, of some people, uh, you choose how to spend uh, that money. Is, is is that a correct characterization where the DAO is uh, managing the fund of others when, you know, it is the opposite that the customers or, uh, let's say, in the case, uh, stockholders are literally the DAO, they are the voters? So, there's, I mean, frankly, think that that characterization is, it's kind of, it, it's unfair for a variety of reasons. Uh, a hedge fund is a fiduciary uh, of other people's capital, uh, whereas, and even if some of that capital may be their own, uh, in, in most cases, there's there's some fiduciary responsibility for other people's capital. Uh, in this case, the DAO is is the people. It's it's their own capital, meaning there is no separation between the the people whose capital it is and the the ability to participate in governance. So if anyone has capital in the system, if anyone has deposited value in the system, they are a part of the DAO and they can participate in its governance. Uh, so think that in general, it's not the concept of a hedge fund managing other people's money is not, is not the right analogy at all. Now, the, the concept of is Beanstalk, is the DAO run by insiders frankly think that that's the idea that that's that's suggested is not surprising uh in general any 
any if you look at the history of cryptocurrencies the vast majority of them uh have have had mintings mint schedules such that they are controlled by a select few individuals in perpetuity uh one of the things that beanstalk has has always done differently is that it's been designed to have as low an ownership concentration as possible and the result is that for better or worse uh as far as we know there is no individual or any even group of individuals that have anything close to a majority of stock at this point and so it really is to, to the best of our knowledge uh beanstalk is not governed by a select few set of individuals and there there is a there is a real decentralized governance process happening here again we 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 may we may be totally ignorant there may be there may be some group of people that have a ton of stock and we don't we don't know about it uh participation in beanstalk is pseudonymous through wallets and we don't know who owns most of the wallets so we could be totally ignorant but without some sort of i mean it, it People are going to say what they're going to say, but think that the concept that Beanstalk is controlled by insiders is kind of ridiculous. Uh, the idea that Beanstalk Farms is controlled by insiders is, of course, accurate. There are people that there are four people that have, have proposals that were each approved by the DAO to have the ability to hire members of Beanstalk Farms and to work uh, for the DAO at through Beanstalk Farms. So it makes a ton of sense that Beanstalk Farms itself is uh, somewhat controlled by insiders because in order to do anything in particular, you need some some level of centralization and accountability. So the way Beanstalk Farms is currently structured, each of those pe four people are directly accountable to the DAO and they have the ability to hire people and uh, those people report to those four people directly and then those four people report directly to the DAO. So there is reporting but there is also very clear control of the budgets and there's only really quarterly accounting of those budgets. So to a large extent, there is Beanstalk Farms is controlled by insiders and that's on purpose. And if we go back to what we were talking about before, the separation between the Dow and Beanstalk Farms is essential such that if you want to come work on Beanstalk and you don't want to be a part of Beanstalk Farms or a part of Bean Sprout, you want to create your own organization and you want starter funds, Go propose a BIP. This is a decentralized community and everyone's welcome. So this has been really carefully designed over the past year plus uh, by a wide variety of contributors and us in order to try to make this as open uh, and permissionless a development environment as possible. And as you've mentioned, that the centralized, let's say, uh, Beanstalk Farms answers and is accountable uh, to the DAO. Maybe maybe to to close uh, this topic, Silo Chad, who is a BFCP BFCP uh, member, uh, wrote a relatively detailed uh, um, message that highlights what all of uh, the engineering team uh, are working on. Okay, the next question comes from Bacchus, and he asks: Given the longer time horizon for the well implementation, has there been any discussion about using a Uniswap bean ETH pool in the meantime? And he asks, what are the pros and cons of such an idea? 
at least on our end, there hasn't been any discussion about that. We don't think that's a good use of our time. Uh, we're heavily focused on implementing the wells as soon as possible and think that getting the beanstalk native well design done properly will then facilitate the rollout of potentially a wide variety of different uh, liquidity pools with beans trading against different assets uh, to to now pivot at least our time to work on the bean ETH, Unis- bean ETH Uniswap pool. We think that would be a, a pretty heavy distraction and would be a non-trivial task. Uh, and it's probably not going to really make a difference in terms of when the the beneath pool is launched, maybe a couple of weeks or you know a month or two at the most. But it, at this point, don't think that there's a lot of benefit to Beanstalk in doing things halfway or doing doing really intermediate steps like this where there's it's short term and then there's going to be significant fr- friction around switching and it just seems like a total distraction. So uh, from our perspective, not a good use of time. Obviously, because Beanstalk is open source, if anyone wanted to uh, deploy a Beaneath pool and propose a BIP to whitelist the LP token, they could do so. Uh, they would they would also most likely need to be uh, code written to facilitate converts between uh, the Beaneath LP tokens and uh, Beans. But if anyone can do that. So uh, if someone felt strongly that that was that was a feature that they'd like uh as always they can they can go ahead and do that but at least on our end haven't haven't th- thought that that's a, a good use of time and as far as we know it neither beanstalk farms nor root is is working on a beneath pool at this point so uh that's the current status Marcus then asks as well if there is any intention to implement a curve gauge for the three curve pool or uh, seek bribes, you know, for the whole curve uh, ecosystem. Not at this point in time on this end, but again, that's something that anyone can kind of lead a campaign to do. And this is a relatively permissionless environment. So anyone can, can make that proposal as well. Uh, but don't, don't think that's a good use of, of, of our time. And frankly, getting the curve gauge last time was a huge to do. And Immediately after the the pool got the gauge, it was exploited, and so we're going to assume that there's going to be some some friction around getting that that gauge. And again, the silo currently, or not again, but the silo still doesn't support the distribution of yield from other protocols. So even if there was gauge, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a, a an addition to the silo yield. It would be an option instead of the silo yield. So marginal benefit for farmers. Also, that the intention is to move uh, away from the curve pool into into the well, so that'll be a shorter uh, proposal or thinking, unless there are others who would like to have a curve pool. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Silo Chad, and he asks Publius, "What's your time allocation looked like lately? Do you have any thoughts on where you'll spend it over the coming months?" He imagines that you're thinking a lot about economics, doing these calls, etc. How can Beanstalk Farms or the DAO help you spend your time more effectively? So from our perspective, we really view our role as trying to make it such that Publius doesn't need to exist. And there's no dependency or alliance or need for Publius whatsoever. And so to some extent, 
what that what that consists of is trying to really empower all of the current contributors and new potential contributors to be able to build on top of Beanstalk. Uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to really think about what what does a, a not a finished product of Beanstalk, but what does a maybe like an MVP of derivatives and functionality and features that you need to have implemented on top of Beanstalk in the silo, such that there is some sort of self-perpetuating process that starts to take place. And more than just the, the, the things themselves, how can we operate in such a fashion that other people feel empowered to go build all of those things? So if anything, we're really trying to figure out how can we better document what, what we have in mind or what we think and what things might want, might, might look like in their close to final product as we envision it. And obviously it's up to the DAO to figure out what makes sense to implement, but there's, there's probably over the next year, uh, as we've been talking about throughout this class, a series of different, uh, protocols and derivatives that should be built directly on top of Beanstalk or as close to Beanstalk as possible, such that when businesses and real economic activities start to happen on top of Beanstalk, there's a wide variety of derivatives available for these businesses to get exactly the exposures that they want. Because the reality is, if you're running a sophisticated business, you're going to have a sophisticated treasury management function. And having access to all of the necessary derivatives such that you can really customize what your exposure looks like of your treasury, that's going to be an important part of facilitating real-world adoption uh, between between businesses and Beanstalk. So w- w- what does that look like exactly? Still trying to figure it out. What is our, our role in that process? Uh, we're trying to have as minimal a role in that process as possible while recognizing that there is a lot of work to do and there's nothing we'd rather be doing than working on Beanstalk. And so uh, we're really just trying to figure out how to be uh, the most high leverage contributor contributors that we can to Beanstalk. I uh, think that in the short term, the implementation of uh, a couple of features like the wells with on-chain oracles and a generalized pipeline, those are a couple of things that we're pretty excited about uh, Im- implementing or, or working on uh, that we think are going to be high leverage. And then also just trying to help new developers and new contributors or people that have been working on Beanstalk for a while, but are still uh, getting to the point where they feel comfortable building all of their own stuff. Uh, we're really just trying to empower everyone else to to come build on top of Beanstalk. And that means uh, strong documentation. That means uh, a wide variety of different derivatives and stuff built on top of Beanstalk. And then obviously that means a strong uh, peg maintenance model, and we also are, are spending some time trying to figure out the on-chain governance. So, lots of different stuff to be done, uh, particularly around documentation. And historically, we've spent an immense amount of time of our time working on documentation, particularly the white paper, and think that making sure that there are all of the resources available, such that people can come in and start to really build on Beanstalk without needing to, to ever talk to Publius or, or can, with, ever talking to anybody potentially, uh, that's really something to work towards. So uh, 
hopefully that's helpful, but in general, still probably spending uh, a good amount of our our day to day on calls with 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 all of the contributors and just trying to answer questions and make sure everyone's everyone has all of the resources that they need such that they feel empowered to to continue to work on Beanstalk as effectively as they can. Invaluable guidance, either actively or through uh, documentation uh, that directs them. Bacchus asks, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, so please correct me if, if I'm not. Um, and he asks if it would make sense to rebalance seeds for the unripe assets. So we remove, you know, the four seeds or two seeds with the unripe assets to remove the friction when it comes to conversion. It would require a BIP, uh, but that's actually a great idea. Um, perhaps, I mean, it's it's hard to... I mean, you can, the, the simplest implementation would really just to either be to make them the same seeds uh, or to make them much closer together. And that may, that may actually be just a great idea. Uh, and that wouldn't require any sophisticated upgrades to the stock system or anything like that. That's a very interesting idea. Well, glad this was uh, brought up. All right. The next one comes from Eve Wallet. Uh, and he asks if you could justify why he says the engineering staff that maybe we can uh, talk about all contributors in general. So why do contributors today um, are getting paid almost twice as much as they did pre-exploit? And he asks, did something change before and after the exploit? Uh, do you think now that you paying much more uh, contributors will help to keep them in the project or like work better? I'm happy to answer that, Publius, but feel free to answer it if you if you would like to. No, I was I was just going to say, not sure we're the right people to answer that. Again, Beanstalk Farms is its own organization. The the thinking uh, behind uh, the extra uh, pay is is that Beanstalk Farms is now a leaner uh, organization. So if, even if you look into the overall budget, Beanstalk Farms is now running uh, on a smaller budget uh, pre-exploit. Uh, and with a smaller team. So while the contributors may be paid uh, more than they did before, the overall uh, uh, budget is is lower, uh, if that makes sense, uh, if wallet. Jams also touches upon that earlier uh, contributors were able to be paid uh, in pods, and, and now they don't have uh, that option. Okay. Let's go to a question from Canadian uh, Bennett, and it's more of uh, wanting your thoughts uh, on, uh, on an article by uh, um, Vitalik uh, Publius last, uh, that they dropped it last week. And Canadian Bennett asked the question last week, but the article had just been uh, uh, posted then. Not sure if you had the chance uh, to read that article and, and if you'd like to comment yeah. on it. Yeah, did did my homework uh, to be able to talk about this. If you had any specifics, or, or or if you wanted, could just talk a little bit about it. But happy to answer specific questions as well. Sure thing. Maybe I can just start with the overall uh, idea of the of the paper uh, of the uh, blog post and and just go through the, then uh, uh, some of your thoughts uh, on it. And. And, and I will summarize it and correct me, uh, Publius, uh, if I uh, missed any points on it. And 
the general th uh, thinking or or theme of the uh, of the blog post is that you know DAOs are not corporations or the difference between you know uh, governance uh, between corporations and let's say DAOs or or governments. Um, and and Vitalik starts uh, this this question or or uh, the blog post with the idea or the thought of uh, when there's a, a choice to be made between you know two choices, uh, so A and B. Um, and and he he summarizes it or splits them between concave and convex um, um, decisions. And the thinking is that when there are two choices to be made, is it you is it do you want to have a compromise? So is it something in between A and B, or is it a coin flip where it's either A uh, or B? Um, and then he gives some examples on what uh, what might be uh, concave and what might be uh, convex. So for example, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, it didn't make sense to have something in between. We either all had to, uh, you know, uh, follow certain rules or none at all. But in between isn't isn't something that is uh, productive. Um, uh, while uh, on the other hand, uh, having uh, something like uh, funding public goods or, or tax rates, it doesn't make sense to either go zero or hundred. Uh, something in between is is more uh, uh, productive. And then he likens that uh, to how uh, governments uh, uh, and corporations work, and, and he gives his opinion on where he thinks uh, DAOs uh, fit in in between. And he thinks that DAOs could be either, depending on what is the answer that they are trying or the problem that they are trying uh, uh, to solve. Does that sound like a good summary, Publius? And, and what do you think uh, about that? Generally sounds correct uh, as a summary. We would say that there, there seem to be both concave and convex uh, problems that are currently presented to the DAO. And therefore, it may make sense as a, an on-chain governance solution is re-implemented for the different problems that face the DAO to be broken down and the different implementation or the different governance uh, implementations that may exist collectively as a single implementation are different depending on the type of decision or problem that the DAO faces. So an example of a concave problem may be the amount of seeds uh, per, per BDV for a given asset compared to other assets. And it's probably best that the DAO collectively isn't making a binary decision, even though, as we just talked about, it may make sense to, as a one-off, change the seeds for the unripe beans. Uh, if, we, if, if you think about the gauge system as a whole, it probably makes sense for some sort of continuous uh, gauge voting process to happen where there's a, a the voting is, is considered in more of a concave way where everyone's votes are, are averaged together and the gauge on any given asset is the result of an average of votes. Uh, on the other hand, you certainly have certain policy decisions like the implementation of a Dutch auction uh, where it is kind of binary. Are, it, it, should the DAO implement the Dutch auction or not? Is the implementation of a Dutch auction better than the implementation of a different style auction? Uh, is it better or worse than the current implementation? Those are, are binary choices. And therefore, it's important that the, the governance system is, is adapted to facilitate both decision-making processes. At the moment, the DAO is really only poised to make convex decisions. 
but uh, as we've spoken about, the introduction of the gauge system would would be closer to a concave decision-making process or a, uh, a decision-making process optimized around a concave problem. So uh, definitely that is the thinking that this is heading. Now, if we kind of jump ahead to the other part of his article where he talks about the the structure of doubts in an optimal fashion, uh, I think that to a large extent that Beanstalk Farms and Bean Sprout and their relationship to the Dow is probably even like a more optimal implementation than than Vitalik has because there's not a single uh, lead of Beanstalk Farms, but instead a generalized, uh, a, a more committee-based leadership where there's a team and then the team as a whole is accountable. So uh, there's maybe one additional layer of abstraction uh, in the Beanstalk DAO structure currently uh, relative to the structure that Vitalik laid out, but feel like Beanstalk's DAO structure is certainly heading in the right direction uh, after after re- reading some of this. Now, uh, he also talks about uh, the Achilles heel of algorithmic stablecoins, and it's the Oracle. And to some extent, the Oracle was what was exploited uh, when Beanstalk was was attacked in ex- in April. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why getting the oracles right on the on the the wells is so important. But feel like there is uh, certainly certainly a path forward for on chain oracles, and uh, the way to, to the way to do that, or the way we've been thinking about doing that, is somewhat similar to what he what he described, where you have various providers of different prices, and then a contract that creates some sort of average or uh, aggregate price based on the the various different oracles. So uh, that that is all of these things are generally, uh, and I think people can verify because we've been talking about this stuff in class for on a weekly basis for a while. That this seems to be generally the direction that the DAO is heading. Now, I haven't looked too much into Claros that he mentioned, so don't really have any thoughts there, um, other than. You know, he talked about insiders having too much of a vote and uh, that being a problem for Claros. And uh, again, just want to highlight that historically don't think that's been a, a problem for Beanstalk. And if anything, over time, due to the nature of the stock system, the, the, the ownership concentration of stock really has been decreasing such that at this point, there, there really isn't any, any, anyone with a, a, a significant
for Beanstalk. Can you guys hear me? Maybe can someone just message in the chat if you guys can hear us still? Not sure if... Uh... All right, cool. Did I lose you? Where did I lose y'all? Sorry about that. What was I saying before I, I dropped? I was talking for a minute. Thank you all for the for the help. Can you guys hear me now? All right. Will someone remind me what uh where I was when I dropped out so that I can keep uh or try to repeat myself perhaps? Or uh not sure if we lost mod as well. Just uh an absolute disaster here at the end of class. Hi Publius. <laughs> can you hear me? Mod, I don't know what happened. A bomb went off, I guess. Uh, my bad. I thought I had the problem, so I, I left and I think I think we're back now. All right, well, I think a lot of it could have been me, could have been who knows. Uh I apologies regardless. What were we uh what were we chatting about before before I dropped? Um I think it was uh, the last bit you were talking about the concentration uh of ownership uh um within being stuck. Uh Yes. So, uh if you look at I mean, he just talked a little bit about Claros. Uh, in his article, how there was one dev that had to 25% stake. I uh, think at this point, Beanstalk is well past that level of decentralization or ownership concentration. And uh, certainly certainly no single dev has a 25% stake to our knowledge or no, no stockholder or no individual. So uh, that's, that's obviously a problem if you're going to have a decentralized court system or a decentralized governance system and think that that's that's one of the powers of the stock system. Uh, the other thing we were talking about uh, during our minute or two of blackout uh, before was about the optimism uh, retroactive funding that he talks about in the article. And in particular, think that it's much better to pay proactively uh, or, or, or at least to approve grants for things uh, proactively. And then once the grants are, whatever the grant specifies has been built to pay them for building it, right? There needs to be some appraisal of, what value there is for work that is going to be done in advance, think that it's a lot less meaningful for builders to pay them after the fact, after they've already built it and demonstrated product market fit. It's like, thanks, but at this point, there's no need for a grant. Like there's already product market fit. So the real benefit of a grant or a subsidy is before it's built to accelerate its development. So uh, that might be one place where we perhaps disagree with, or not disagree, but, but, uh, have some thoughts that uh, on what he said that are not exactly aligned and otherwise you know I, at the end i like his note about uh sh should DAOs learn more from corporate governance or political science and we're, we're generally more on the political science uh, uh side of the spectrum as well so think that this is more of a human nature problem than anything else and uh we're excited to work with the DAO over the next couple months to figure out how exactly to re-implement on-chain governance and uh, not just implement it, but implement it in a way where 
there's it has the ability to solve both concave and convex problems in in a, in a high quality fashion. So, uh, yeah, lo- lots lots to think about as the DAO moves back to a sophisticated on chain governance structure, but lots to be excited about as well. Yeah, uh, he also touched a bit o- upon the purpose uh, of the DAO, and he likened it uh, to where, uh, for example, uh, a sovereign uh, uh, entity or let's say like a government uh, that that mainly its purpose is to look at security. Uh, while other uh, corporations, uh, their their purpose is to do you know internal services, let's say, where they don't have to worry about you know the the outer layer of of security and uh, and such things. And he was like, uh, there are certain uh, that was, and I'm summarizing here um, um, or rephrasing uh, as well, where some some DAOs uh, who would be doing you know uh, depending depending on the kind of service that they're offering, and one of them is like issuing a currency. Uh, that would be more aligned towards uh, a sovereign, uh, let's say, uh, or government-like uh, uh, governance uh, rather than uh, a, a corporation uh, one. Publis, I wanted to touch upon one of the last comments uh, he said about a stablecoin, which was that a stablecoin does not need to be efficient. It must be first and foremost stable and decentralized. Do you agree with that sentence? And do you think that there is a difference between efficiency and stability at scale? A hundred percent agree. If you look at convertibility, that's primarily the main feature there where there's some loss in efficiency or stability, but a major gain in the overall sustainability of the system. So Beanstalk very explicitly makes a trade-off around short-term volatility in favor of long-term stability and think that Vitalik's comments are generally pretty aligned with that. All right. I think I think we went through uh, the the blog post. Canadian Bennett isn't with us today, but if you listen to this recording and you think we missed uh, any of the points, please f- uh, feel free to drop them, and we can discuss them at next uh, week's class. Okay. We're at the top of the hour. We have one minute left. We can leave that maybe if anyone else has some thoughts uh, or, a, or a last question to, uh, to ask. So let's give it a minute before we end uh, this class. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, this week. And Publius, uh, as always, thank you for taking the time to answer all of these questions. And see you next week. Thanks, man.